Here they Five come. Left. One timeout, they don't take it. Oh! Oh! He got it! Oh, he got the buzzer! San Diego led by as many as 11 in this game. Deshaun Jackson, he will take it for the win! 1.2 remaining. Can you believe it? Kansas has made only two threes on the night. They must make one here to extend the game. Collins driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it! For two seconds. Unbelievable. Dozier at midcourt for the championship. No, we're going to overtime in San Antonio. Jim, the free throws did it. You got plenty of room, or time, I should say, at least four seconds to get it up the floor. They're in trouble. Reynolds. Three seconds or three tenths or four tenths. They got to put three or four tenths up. Kansas is going to get the ball back. Northern Iowa is going to have to shoot it before the shot clock runs out. Oh, hell of a oh my. Farouk Manesh, a three. You can't be serious with that shot. 6.6 left. Draymond Green finds Lucius for the win. He got it. Spartans move to the sweet six. Buongiorno. Oh, baby, we're live. Bon journal. What's up? Fantastic. Matthews, going for the heart. As per- oh, Campbell for Vesna, too. Sorry, I had to add that, too. Wow, Campbell for Vesna? Absolutely. That's this performance tonight. Undefeated, man. I like I like the way your Undefeated. head's at. Undefeated. I like, I like where your head's at, Jay. Very optimistic. It's a Leafs fan. We're the king of the optimistic. Look at you go. Almost as optimistic as me on the golf course, eh? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. See where my guy Liam's at. You know, should be on his way, man. What a weekend we got, eh, for basketball? Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Uh, you're sitting in prime position, man. It's, uh, uh, you're getting, well, he's getting this breath fresh you made for you for the spit shine. Oh, yeah? Hopefully, man. <laughs> Hopefully, Willie's ready to spit shine my tires. Yeah. So what are you thinking for this weekend? What are your what are your thoughts? Final four? Yeah, man. Well, I think Gonzaga's probably making it to the chip. That Michigan's not there to take them on, which is kind of a shame. Really? Yeah, because who is it? UCLA. I know, like, I want to hear that. I want to hear you sing it today. I want to hear you sing it. You want to hear me sing it today? Uh, of course, that song, absolutely. Oh, maybe Liam has joined us. Hello, man. How's it going? What's going on? What's going on? What's up? What's up, boys? Here we go. Final four preview this weekend. Um, You know, first game going down Saturday, I believe. Sure, Saturday, 5 o'clock. 
Five o'clock, five thirty, five forty-five, I believe is five fourteen. Oh wow, very specific. Get real precise. Very specific. Um, boys, we've made it. You know, after these long couple weeks, you know, we've kind of seen what the field has kind of given to us and how our uh, how our brackets have kind of panned out. And uh, on fucking real tournament, if I might add. Um, you know, first things first. I know Jay, this is gonna suck to talk about, but your Ohio yeah. State went down early yeah. to Oral Roberts. Yeah. Um. You know, hey, you're you're in my ear pretty good after that performance. Listen, man, I'm a big fan of the underdog. You know, it's a it's it's one of my things. I like to cheer for the underdog, and um, unreal. Whenever you get a chance to get at me, unreal, hundred percent. And then my guy Liam, Liam, you know, kind of you know called me out on my bullshit on the podcast and said, um, you know, Zags all the way, and here we are, man. Zags are fighting for uh for a championship spot. What'd you um, have? Them, second got- round out. Yeah, man, I had to mince, I had to mince my words a little bit, and uh, I told Liam, I said, "Hey, listen, man, you were right. I was wrong, and uh, should be a good one." And you know, um, other than that, it's been an unreal tournament. Um, obviously, this was the year to have fans at the tournament. You know, talk about that Ohio State, you know, Oral Roberts yeah, game. Uh, what what a what a fan base that would have been. What a um, game. You know, the Alabama UCLA game, another game that would have been unreal to have fans at. Um, but other than that, man, it's I can't complain. You know, given the circumstances of you know how everything is kind of shaped up, unreal. I think the NCAA has done a good job of you know kind of you know holding up the end of the bargain in terms of providing a quality tournament given the circumstances. Um, and then. You know, in terms of the way they've kind of set it up and they've kind of allowed the players to, you know, play within their means, officiating, I think, has been solid, in my opinion. I think it's been good enough, um, you know, given, you know, uh, the circumstances and, uh, you know, different different teams play different styles. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna let you guys go right at it. I'm going to start with my guy, Liam. Um, you know, Liam and I were kind of talking about this before the tournament and about what the best game was going to be and what the worst game was going to be. So, Liam, did you change your mind on any of your predictions following our, our discussion uh, in the in the lead-up to this? Yeah, I flipped on a, flipped on a few predictions at the last second. But I got to say, Jay, I hate to do it to you, but that Ohio State, that was the game of the tournament for me, that first-round uh, game <laughs> right in the afternoon there. That was awesome. Um, I was a big Buckeyes fan this year. I love their team. I like the way they play, but – round like that, but I mean, Max Smith and Kevin O'Banner, who knew those guys would be NBA-ready prospects on the 15th seed, just waiting to be introduced to the world, so that was my game of the of the tournament so far. I know there's been a tons of other great games as well, but that's the one that jumps out for me. Um, Jay, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it right to you. What's your game of the tournament, you know? Yeah, it was one of the more recent ones, and it actually had one team make it to the Final Four, and that would be UCLA and Michigan. Uh, I thought UCLA, first four team, it's got to be very, very numbered. How many teams from the first four have made it to the final four? And I think it's just nice to see UCLA, a very storied basketball program, first time in the final four since 2008, with not a whole lot of well-known players, a bunch like unless your figureheads like you guys here that know a whole bunch about college basketball. But to the average fan, not a whole lot of people know names on this team. And they definitely know them now. So I think that's definitely the highlight of the tournament, seeing UCLA make the Final Four. Man, I'm, I'm going to stick with UCLA here, man. That UCLA-Alabama game, off the charts, bro. 
talk of talk about an absolute barn burner. And um, I don't know if you guys know this, but now that Alabama's out, there is no shot of a chance since 2008 that a team wins both NCAA March Madness and the College Football Championship. And the last team to do that was the Florida Gators. So UCLA kind of sticking it to Alabama and saying, hey, listen, you guys are a football school. You know, let the big boys fight. But that game, you know, wire to wire, uh, unreal. Obviously, was upset that, you know, Alabama, you know, didn't make it through. Would have been nice to see um, the boys go through and, you know, possibly do what Florida did back in 08. But hats off to UCLA. First team from the first four into the final four. You know, a little bit of history for the Bruins. I'm sure, like John, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a guy like John Wooden, you know, is proud of, of what he's accomplished. You know, longtime uh, UCLA legend. And uh, I've seen the videos of California these last couple of days, man. Kids should enjoy it, right? You know, big school out in Cali, you know, enjoy their time. And heading into this weekend's games, I think UCLA's, I think UCLA's a, a dark horse right now to win the tournament, if I do say cool. so myself. I right. think the way they've been playing. I don't think you, I don't think you still, I don't think you still, you don't believe in Gonzaga. I think he's, yeah, he's piling on the Zag still. I, listen, man, I predicted, I predicted, um, I predicted Baylor, but Gonzaga has has made me eat my words. Has made me eat my words. 100%. I, I will be completely honest, and I will admit that Gonzaga has made me eat my words, and they've proven to me that they are a good basketball team, and they are not like the teams of old. But, you know, a leopard never sheds its stripes, right? <laughs> this is kind of the first time we've seen, you know, the Zags on, um, you know, in the forest, you know, having to hunt for themselves. Um, you know, we got another hungry team in the Bruins. Right. You know, they're kind of fighting for uh, for a little bit of respect here, you know, kind of disrespected having to play a playing game. I don't see why this game doesn't go to double overtime. If oh I'm if I'm being quite frank, I'll tell you and why. You... I'll tell you why this game doesn't go to double overtime. How many? All right. How, Liam, many, point, how many points did UCLA score in the uh, Elite Eight game against Michigan? It's 51. How many points did Gonzaga score in the first half of the Elite Eight game against USC? Forty nine. Gonzaga is going to run them out of the gym. UCLA, they're oh. a great story. I've loved watching them play. Nick Cronin, the coach, he's done a fantastic job, especially the circumstances. He was not even the first, the second, or even third choice for that UCLA head coaching job. He used to coach those Cincinnati teams back in the day that would really just muck it up, kind of like uh, like Maryland that we saw this year, very defensive-minded teams. UCLA, uh, as talented as Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell are, they're not going to be able to hang with Gonzaga. That's not how they play. They like to get you in the mud and really uh, uh, make it a defensive-minded game. Gonzaga's not letting that happen. I have Gonzaga winning by, like, 15-plus. Okay. You know what? Liam, Liam does bring up a good point. You know, Gonzaga's high scoring does prove an issue. But what I will counter with is that <laughs> do you think at some point, obviously we look at the one-week rest period, right? Obviously they've had a week to rest, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, kind of just to get their feedback. Do you do you think UCLA is has developed a good enough game plan to maybe slow down some of that scoring, or do you, or do you think it's still gonna be run of the mill? Because yes, teams have time to prepare defensively, but teams have time to prepare offensively. So do you think you know coaching staff has come come up with a couple of new plays? You know, coming out the huddle in terms of how to beat UCLA and kind of give them a different look. Look, I'm sure uh, I'm sure both coaches, both coaches are phenomenal. Mark Few and Mick Cronin on, on both sides are going to come in with great game plans. You can come in with the best game plan in the world, but we saw it with Gonzaga against USC. Gonzaga threw the first punch. They came out full court pressing right away. UC, USC didn't 
looked like they knew how to dribble up the court. They looked like a middle school team out there. So Gonzaga pretty much ran them out of the gym from the first five minutes of the game. So it really comes down to just execution of the game plan at the end of the day. Um, and I just trust Gonzaga. I'm not going to be the guy to come up here and say, I told you so, but you know, they've won. He told you so. <laughs> I thought I told you so. I mean, look, they've won all of their tournament games by an average of 21 points. Right. So they haven't really been touched yet. And, uh, I do think Baylor can give them a good fight if that's, that ends up being the national championship, but UCLA, I mean, it might be a fun game, but I'm taking Gonzaga. Um, unfortunately, as much as I high, I'm high up on the song of uh, UCLA by R.L. Grime, and I love that song when I'm six deep in the club. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Liam here, man. I think Gonzaga's offensive ability and you know prowess and hunger. Uh, it's no, I think, I think Gonzaga pulls it off. I I don't think they run them out of the gym by 15. I think it's. I think it's a five-point game, you know, free throw situation. Game ends, you know, 73, um, you know, 66 sort of thing. In double overtime? No, no. Uh, regulation. Oh, no. Regu- regulation. Okay. Regu- regulation. I think 73-66, seven-point margin of victory. Um, I think that's the way it kind of wraps up. And Gonzaga is the first – and Gonzaga punches their ticket to the final. Yeah, I like it. That's what I like to hear. I don't know. I don't know, Jay. What are you thinking here, man? I know you're a big no, underdog yeah, guy. I, I know. I'm a huge Pac-12 guy, too, like you said, right? Yeah, apparently. Earlier, yeah, apparently. <laughs> it was, hey, 7-0 in the first round of uh, March Madness. So I guess I was honest. you got to be proud to be a but, Pac-12 guy now, Jay. I there guess you go, so. Jay. You found your <laughs> calling card. But Gonzaga has had zero scares the whole tournament. All the games have been blowouts. Um, they haven't had really any scares whatsoever. The only really scare was maybe the first five minutes of the Oklahoma game with Austin Reeves just letting it up against Gonzaga for the first five minutes, and then it was just over. So UCLA, it's been a good story. First four to the final four. Him and them and Shaka Smart's VCU team have that in common now for the rest of the time. But, uh, yeah, Gonzaga's fair by 14 to win this game, and I see no reason why you aren't going to pick the Bulldogs to make it to the championship game. So I will be going with the Bulldogs to win. All right. So we got a clean sweep for the Gonzaga game. Um, now, now, gentlemen, I have to ask, um, if you're Gonzaga, right, and you make this deep of a run and you finish, so the record would be standing right now at 32-0? and 0? If they want it out, yes. So, right, so what's the record round? 31? 30-0. 30-0. 30-0, okay. So I think that that – if I'm not mistaken, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the greatest basket, uh, the best basketball record of all time heading into March Madness? Uh, they just haven't played as many games as some of the teams in the past. But if they pull this off and go 32 and 0, they'll be the first undefeated champion since Indiana in 1976. So it's been a long time okay. coming. Okay. So if you're Gonzaga, right? You know, the, obviously that's going to be a talk of a lot of, you know, media and, you know, a lot of the town is, you know, can they be the first team since Indiana? Um, and you're obviously on top of that fighting to not show guys like me that you're not the old Gonzaga teams involved and choking it and, you know, shades of Adam Morrison and whatever the case may be, you know, is there kind of a point where, you know, as a coaching staff, it's kind of your due diligence, you know, to kind of shut the players off from, you know, uh, the media and be like, Hey, listen, just another game, play it like you would, like you played the last, you know, 29. Because we've seen it where, you know, guys get anxious, guys get nervous, guys start thinking about, you know, 
um, you know, the media and the records and, you know, the limelight. And obviously you're a young kid, right? You're expected to perform and obviously not, it, it's a, it's a human thing to, you know, be nervous. Um, do you think that could play a part in potentially UCLA sneaking away with one? Is UCLA knowing that they have really nothing to play for in, in terms of, um, you know, media expectations? Because they've exceeded all media expectations by any means. If we're, if we're going off records and we're going off statistics. Um, is there is that kind of an edge you see for UCLA, Liam and Jay? Jay, I'll let you go ahead on this one. Okay, yeah. I think you'd be lying to yourself if you were on the Gonzaga team saying that you know that you're that close. You're two wins away from history of achieving what the 76 Hoosiers team did, and that's a perfect season. So I'm sure that's definitely in the back of their mind. But you talked about the media pressure, Mateus, and like I bet this year especially is a lot more helpful to the players because of them having less media available to them. Like you're not having 30, 40 reporters trying to slam the microphone in your face and trying to get any any kind of soundbite out of you to hear what you have to say after the game or what's your next opponent like because of COVID and you're staring into a laptop screen right now for your post-game interview. So I think in that way, it's helping this really good Gonzaga team uh, keep quiet and stay humble with chasing history at 32-0. and So it's definitely a definite benefit for this team going in to play UCLA. Okay. Liam? Yeah, I mean, you look at their comments after each and every game. Um, it's been consistent of next, we're focused on the next game and the next game and the next game. We're not looking ahead. We're not looking in the future. You saw it at the end of the Elite Eight game. Uh, when they got to cut down the nets for the final four, I wasn't about one guy. They each took a turn cutting down one piece of the nets. It was a nice little gesture there. And then the coach got to cut down the uh, last bit. Um, and I think it's really impressive as well because you got multiple guys on this team that have played themselves up into higher NBA draft positions. And you wouldn't know it, right? Like, uh, they're not they're not making it about themselves. Jalen Suggs, in my opinion, has been a complete standout in this tournament. He put up 18, 10, and 8 in the Elite Eight game. I think people need to talk more about him as a serious candidate for the number one overall pick over Cade Cunningham even. Um, and you're not knowing it, right? Like Drew Timmy's been playing himself into the NBA. Uh, Corey Kispert just keeps on moving up. Joel Ayayi. Um, and these guys aren't making it about themselves. It's all about the team. It's all about winning. Uh, and that's why I like watching this team so much. You watch them play, it's like you can see them all sort of going through their progressions um, as they swing that ball around the arc, passing up a good shot. They get a great shot. They're pump faking left and right. Just the, the inside out, the ball movement is unbelievable. It's, I'll go out on a limb. I've been watching college basketball pretty much my entire life, and this is the best team I've ever seen. Better, that, wow. better than the Kentucky team of Towns, the Harrison Twins? Better than them. Better than them. Because wow. Kentucky, I will say that 2015 Kentucky team is more talented, no question, without a doubt. I mean, that team was loaded top to bottom. They ran that platoon system. They had Devin Booker basically as the seventh man of that team. Well, that Kentucky team, they had a lot of raw talent, but not necessarily um, the coaching is sort of the big difference there. I think Mark Fuge is a much better coach than, than Coach Cowley. Coach Cowley. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going with that. There's a lot of hot takes today, I know. But, I mean, that Kentucky team had some scares. They, they went to overtime against Ole Miss at home in the regular SEC season. Ole Miss was not, not a good team at the time and still isn't very good, so – I'm taking Gonzaga over them. I, maybe that Kentucky team could beat them in like a one-game setting, but this Gonzaga team, start of the season to the finish, has been the best team I've ever seen. Wow. 
I like I like I like when Liam take, gives me hot takes because then it can give me hot takes, you know, to think for the future. <laughs> and you know, as, as we move forward to the Houston Baylor game, right? Two great teams out of um, the state of Texas, right? You know, we talk about Baylor's defense. One of the things I be, one of the things I mentioned that was important for me when picking teams is defense and rotation wise. And you know, those teams have kind of epitomized, you know, rotation and defense. So now I pose the question to you two. Is there a point where too much defensive prowess is bad and can hurt you in an offensive tournament like March Madness? Because as Liam talked about, right, he he likes the Gonzaga team because the way they swing the ball, you know, the, the ball movement gets some great shots. Defensively, they're good, but they're not great, which is fine. Defense defense does win championships, but you can do it on good defense because sometimes you know you get a, you get one or two players that stand out of the tournament. You know, obviously Drew Timmy being one of them. So now a team that Baylor, whose main focus is defense, could you see their defensive focus hurting them against Houston? In not so much in a context of where, um, you know, Baylor solely focuses on defense but where Baylor gets too concerned with their defense that they start letting their offensive game slip. Is that a possibility that we could see heading into Sunday's game? I think for me, I would, I would even go the other way. I think Houston's defense is, is elite as well. Um, and I just don't know if Houston has the firepower to necessarily match Baylor because that's where it comes into play, right? Obviously, like you mentioned, defense wins championships and both these teams are very, very good defensively. But what happens when you're really good defensively is – uh, good offense always beats good defense at the end of the day, right? Like that's the old saying. 100%. So you can have the best defense in the world, but if a team is just absolutely loaded offensively, um, it's not going to mean much at the end of the day. And uh, if there's one area where I think Houston might have an advantage, it's it's on the, the offensive glass. They just absolutely pound the offensive glass with their big guys um, and get a lot of second, third chance opportunities. So Baylor's got to watch out for that. Going to need a big game from Mark Lytle. Okay, so I, I'm gonna agree with you. I think I think good offense does be good defense. Um, now, Jay, you know, I'm sorry to dig into an old wound, but we saw your Ohio State team, you know, Too good soon. defensively get beat by two players. Two players, bro. Yeah, there's not. There's. Yeah. I don't think. What, do, what What's your opinion? Because you've seen good defense lose to great offense. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Oral Roberts just was hot that day. You know, it's it's just the way it goes. You know, Max Aismas, and uh, everyone knows how to say his name now because everyone thought it was Abmas. Now everyone knows it's Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner. Lit it up against the Buckeyes. Yeah, I'll give it to them. They played their hearts out, and they just wanted more over Ohio State. So just the way it's the way the clear crumbles sometimes. But to talk about how good offense will beat good defense is 100% accurate because at the end of it all, you have to score more points than the other team, and you're not going to score more points than the other team by playing good defense. You have to put up points to score. So I do agree with you guys saying that good offense is going to be beating good defense. And both these two teams have very good defenses in their own right. But I do think one team relies on shooting more than the, more than the inside game. And I think a team that lives on the perimeter more is the Houston Cougars. So I do think great name, by the way, Cougars. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I do think that they're going to have a bit more trouble scoring against Baylor. And I think that's just, that's who I'm leaning with right now. And that's the betting favorite to win. And that's the, the Baylor bears. Yeah, um, I th- I think Baylor's going to take this one. Um, you know, uh, I've kind of always liked the saying, live and die by the three. 
Um, Alabama did that by, you know, just absolutely just chucking threes with a minute 22 to go in a game that they were down only six by. Um, and then they got blown out 22 to 11 in overtime. Um, shout out to the coaches that left their players just absolutely chuck threes and ruin the game of basketball, but that's <laughs> a different day. Um, absolutely disgraceful. Um, but yeah, man, like it's gotten to a point where I almost find it boring when guys shoot from three point line. Because you sit there and you watch guys just chuck and force threes just for the hell of it and not facilitate the offense, right? Because we could – all three of us could go to a court and just chuck threes for 30 minutes and obviously some would go in, right? If we took each took 30 threes, I'd say that we would probably make at least half. Whoa. Well, if that was the case, I'd be playing for Houston or Bill. Right? <laughs> Yeah, but you're undersized and you weigh 125 soaking wet, so that's another issue. But um, <laughs> but back to the point, I think I think Houston's gonna dive themselves into a real problem if they can't, you know, score off the perimeter like they've been doing in the last couple games. You know, Liam, who's played basketball, you know, all his life and understands the sport to the highest of degrees, knows that all three point shooting teams always tend to slow down when they're forced to go inside. And we've seen that with NBA teams. We've seen that with college teams, high school teams, whatever the case may be. The second a perimeter shooting team is forced to go inside, the game is over. And I think this weekend, playing a defensive team like Baylor, like we said um, you know, before, is one of the top defensive teams in the country. I think it might be a wrap for Houston come this weekend if they can't make – if Houston takes five three-pointers in the first five minutes and they don't make – Three of them, I think it's a, I think it's game over. I in all honesty, I think it's game over by halftime. I think, I think Baylor sits sits their starters and lets huh. lets their freshmen get a run in. And you you're laughing, but we've seen it before where teams just sit behind the three point line and hope for the best, right? You know, we got shades of Oklahoma when Buddy Heald was on the team. Remember that? Oh, I love that, that team, man. That I love that team. I yeah, had them winning the tournament team. that year. Yeah, it was a good team on paper, right? But what they do? Sit behind the three-point line and get beat. Who's the center on that team? Um, oh. uh, I don't know. I'm I'm sure Liam knows. Um, Liam, do you remember the center on the on Oklahoma? Yeah, center. Buddy he was a lottery team? pick. Oh. oh, can't remember. No, it wasn't Brady Manick, was it? Find this. Brady Manick's still there. He's a senior now. I gotta I gotta look. But but regardless, you, you know what I'm trying to say though. Like we saw that team kind of fiddle out, you know, fizzle out towards the end. So I think this is another another instance where we look at you know Baylor coming through and we got a Baylor Gonzaga matchup in the final. Um, that's just my thing. I don't know if you guys have anything different, but I, I think Baylor wins this one comfortably. I got Baylor here as well. Uh, a lot of similar reasons. Um, I was pretty lukewarm on Houston coming in uh, on the first preview show, and respect to them, a Final Four is a Final Four, but. I'm looking at their path, and I'm not seeing any single-digit seeds that they've beaten. You know, they beat a 15-seed Cleveland State. They beat Rutgers barely. Uh, it was more Rutgers lost the game than Houston won it, if anything. They took down uh, took down Syracuse, the new Buddy Buckets, Buddy Bayheim, uh, and then they took down Oregon State. And all of those teams were, were the underdogs. Uh, Houston has kind of coasted into the Final Four, and Baylor's going to be their first real test. The best team that Houston's beaten all year is Texas Tech. Uh, and that's a six seed, right? So Houston hasn't seen a team like Baylor yet. Um, and I think they might be a little bit 
a little bit out of their element, a little bit out uh, match here. Okay. Um, so that sets up the consensus Baylor Gonzaga final. Um, I'm gonna start with Liam here. Um, you know, you you like Gonzaga. I got I got to hear your predictions for the final. Well, this is the game we've been waiting for all season long. These two teams were sort of on the uh, undefeated track together all the way up until the middle of February. Uh, they, these teams were supposed to play each other earlier in the season. The game got canceled due to COVID. So uh, it's exciting that hopefully we'll be finally getting the matchup that we've all been waiting for. To make the argument for Baylor, because obviously it's pretty clear that I'm a big Gonzaga guy this year, but to make the argument for Baylor, they are deep. And how fun has Davion Mitchell been to watch this this tournament? He has been just clamping guys on the perimeter, running the point for them. Um, Baylor's got, you know, guys coming off the bench, Adam Flagler and Matt Meyer. They're just lighting it up from three. Very, very skilled. Mateus has gone on and on about the defense. Everyone knows about that as well. This is a great game. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Of course, I'm going to take Gonzaga because I can't really, you know, not die on the hill at this point. But I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. Um, I'm going to let Jay go because I know, I know Jay and I have been kind of speeding over the last couple of days of our predictions and, you know, how we have shaped things up, but I'm going to let Jay take okay. this one. So if it's a Baylor-Gonzaga final, which I hope it is, but, uh, I think it's, it's going to be at the end of the road for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And I do think the Baylor Bears will be winning the NCAA national championship and bring the Zags to 31 and one. Um, I think Gonzaga has not played a real tough opponent, and it's going to be until the championship game that they will. Because, with all due respect to UCLA, they're not—they're an 11 seed, right? So they're not. I mean, Gonzaga has had played the toughest opponent. I guess would they be playing was Creighton, and that was a far a five seed because USC, if I remember correctly, was a six seed. So really, that was their toughest task was to beat Creighton. So Baylor would be the first actual game or on paper would be the closest game that Gonzaga is going to have to play. And it's not going to be until the championship game. So I think Baylor has been ready or has been tested more than Gonzaga this year or this tournament, I should say. And they play better teams. And I think that prepares you to play better teams. So if Gonzaga hasn't really seen really top tier talent yet, and they're doing it in the championship game, I think it suits Baylor's team very well to pull off the upset and win. Wow. Um, I think this is the first time Jay and I will agree on. Anything. I know Mark to stay down. Um, yeah, you, you should. <laughs> um, Liam, man, I can't die on the hill like you said. I'm, I'm taking my Baylor Bears, dude. Um, I, I, every argument you've made for Gonzaga resonates me more and more every day and every time I watch them play because of how this guy has predicted every, like everything, every question that I've had about Gonzaga. Liam has told me how they're going to fix it, and they have fixed it. And unfortunately, I can't give up uh, just now. And, you know, hopefully when we do the recap, you know, you, Liam can sit there and be like, I told you so again. But, man, I think Baylor's going to take it. I think it's going to be an extremely close game just on the offensive and defensive matchups. I think, the Drew, I think Drew Timmy is going to be the most important player in that final game. And and before anybody says, what about Jalen Suggs? Jalen Suggs is already an important player. But offensively and defensively, Gonzaga needs Drew Timmy for both halves. And I'm going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to say Drew Timmy gets maybe five minutes of rest because of how valuable he is to that team. And I think Liam can attest to this. And I think Drew Timmy is what sparks 
Gonzaga on both sides of the ball. Jalen Suggs does spark Gonzaga on the offensive side of the ball, but Drew Timmy sparks him on both sides. Every time Drew Timmy gets a bucket, everybody's up and everybody's motor's rolling. And when you get a guy like that who gets everybody's motor going and everybody's willing to die and fight for every ball, that's a fucking dangerous team, bro. And Drew Timmy, he's honestly he has the same heart, same hustle, and the same amount of character too. The same amount of character, bro. He's got this handlebar mustaches, bringing that back from the nineteen fifties. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he's rocking a mullet for the final game. Um, but. Drew Timmy, I think, is the most important player heading into that final game. And with that being said, if Baylor does contain Drew Timmy, which I think they'll be able to do, I think they'll come up with defensive schemes and defensive um, kind of uh, s- systems when checking him and how to, you know, use all of the fouls that they have. I think if Drew Timmy doesn't get going early, I think Baylor's got him in the bag. And I'm interested to hear what Liam has to say. Look, I, I would love for you – I would love nothing more. Uh, first of all, I would love nothing more than Gonzaga to win the championship. But I would also love if you guys came in here on the recap show and told me <laughs> I told you so. I'd be completely fine with that. <laughs> Look, Baylor's an awesome team as well. Don't get me wrong. They are amazing. I've loved watching them play as well. Uh, they have more size than Gonzaga. They have more depth than Gonzaga. Those are two areas where I'd be a little bit nervous if I was – I mean, for the record, I'm not a Bulldogs fan. I just like watching, you know, the, the team that I like. Yeah, yeah, 100%, bro. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd be a little nervous if I was a diehard Gonzaga fan about the size that Baylor has and the, the guys coming off the bench. If I was Gonzaga, I would even go to Anton Watson to start him in the championship game. I think it's a little bit of a better matchup and bring uh, Nemhard off the bench. Um, but you hit the nail on the head. Gonzaga goes with Drew Timmy. Um, they have so far in this tournament, but a guy that hasn't really got it going, uh, he's put up points, but a lot of that is just cause he's kind of chucking shots up when they're, when they're already up by 20, well, nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's what you got to do. Corey yes. Kispert, he's the leading scorer, averages 19 yeah. points per game. He really has been a little bit quiet so far in the tournament. And a lot of that is he's scoring in the second half when they're making their big initial run in the first half. It's a lot of Drew Timmy, a lot of Jalen Suggs, but if Corey Kispert can get cooking in the championship game, Watch out, Baylor, because that guy is a sniper. All right. Um, I'm going to start off with my prediction. I got Baylor 82-78 as per my ESPN bracket. So that's my picks for the score and the winner. Um, Jay and Liam? Um, I would say more defensive-minded game, championship game, obviously. So there's going to be a lot less hesitation or a lot more hesitation to be chucking up threes or hitting bad shots because everyone's going to be on you for having these kind of shots in these kind of games. So I think it's going to be – 68 to 62 for the Baylor Bears. All right. Um, so we have the picks in. Now, gentlemen, I gotta ask for next year's tournament, right? Now Ohio State what a kind of COVID. Right, <laughs> slow your slow, slow your roll there, big man. Um lock it in. Is there anything that you would like to see the the NCAA change if, you know, obviously they can't allow fans Not allowing in terms of kind of University turn? into the tournament next year is what I want to see. How about you don't lose Get your some infractions <laughs> against them. Exactly. Um, is there anything that you guys can applaud the NCAA for in terms of the way they've kind of held the tournament? Or is there anything you wish they kind of did differently? That's a good question. Um, I'll start off with the elephant in the room. The women's side of the tournament has been completely disrespected yes. uh, in terms of coverage and in terms of treatment. 
Um, that's a whole other story, obviously a very important issue. Um, and to be honest, I'm not a qualified person to be talking about that. So I'm going to digress on that subject. Um, but that's the number one thing that everybody should want to see the NCAA do differently. Um, in terms of the men's side, though, I think they've put on a pretty good tournament, um, all things considered. Uh, having the bubble in Indiana uh, has been pretty cool. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, all the, all the different historic arenas being used here. Uh, I'm not sure where the championship that if that's held in Assembly Hall. It's, oh, I think uh, that's Indiana at Lucas University, Oil. That'd be super yeah. Sorry cool. to burst your bubble. I think it's yeah. at Lucas Oil. Oil. That makes sense. It makes sense. So I can only dream, I guess. Yeah, for all the fans um, that are going to be in attendance, wow. right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but uh, overall, I think it's been a pretty good tournament uh, from the logistics Mateus, side. Mateus, man, you're brutal. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not brutal. I'm just telling you the fact. You're, you're renting out a fucking 50,000-person ve- 50, venue for, what, 10 guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? What, three tickets? Some of these gyms are kind of packed. I don't know if you've seen Oregon State play them, but there's, there's a lot of Oregon State Beavers fans in there. Yeah, well, if you cover yeah, up half the gym and only allow 25 seats and you sell 25 tickets, it's going to look packed. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what's the point of limited capacity if everyone's no, like, sitting right yeah, next to each other, right? Um, I think the NCAA uh, has done a good job on the men's side. Um in terms of, you know, how they can better it, I'm going to kind of, you know, kind of go a different right here. I'm going to say, um, you know, kind of change up you know, the way the officiating is kind of done. Um, I think if – I think officiating has been good this year, but good officiating isn't always good, if that makes sense. I think you want great officiating. I think more use of, uh, you know, I think referees should be allowed, allowed to use the replays just a little bit more. Um, obviously it's going to slow down the pace of the game. And I know a lot of people are going to complain about that, but if you're watching March Madness, you're not really in a rush for anything like that. Um, like I said before, like when Jay and I were on the golf course yesterday, um, you know, guys are rushing to play golf. You're rushing. If you're playing golf, you shouldn't be in a rush because you booked the day off to play golf. Um, so I think if you're watching a basketball game, you have time off. I think you shouldn't be in a rush to, you know, do anything else. I think, uh, the replay has got to be a little bit more developed. I think they got to be able to, you know, um, make more consistent and efficient calls um, in terms of replays and watching the shot clock. I'm going to agree with Liam. I think the women's side of tournament has been completely disrespected. You know, they gave him what, six dumbbells and three yoga mats and said, yeah, go left. I think that's completely rude, um, you know, inconsiderate of an organization, um, a not-for-profit organization that's worth a billion dollars. Um, I think that's, like I said, um, I'm going to, you know, step away and, and say my peace of mind and say, that's all I'm going to say for now, you know, uh, you know, kind of digress. But overall, I think the NCAA has done a good job. The only thing I would work on is just maybe tweaking a bit officiating. Um, you know, hopefully next year fans are back in business and, you know, we got uh, we got full capacity. Uh, the NFL says they're aiming for full capacity, so hopefully everybody's on board with that. Um, that's just kind of my two cents. Um, Jay, yeah, you guys hit on the tee with the women's tournament. Uh, absolute disgrace how that actually happened, and it was actually passed to have that happen to have these uh, weight rooms be like this. And it wouldn't have happened unless someone didn't put down their phone and videotaped it. So commend you for that. I don't know her name. I'm sorry, but she plays for the University of Oregon. And she was the person who videotaped it. And I think it would not have gotten any recognition at all, except for that video that was released. So good on you for doing that. But the coverage of the women's basketball tournament has been very good. Because, you know, a lot of people like to criticize the college basketball NCAA saying there's not enough coverage on women's basketball. All you focus on is the men's tournament. 
but they're on the same amount of time slots as it is with the men's, right? It's right there beside it on TSN, at least here in Canada. And ESPN stepped up, and they've been doing a very good job at covering this tournament. So good on you for doing that. And in terms of changing something in the men's side of it, I think it's you got to break it down to the types of divisions that are the regions and the seating, right? Because you're seeing some teams who shouldn't, like, I know it's nitpicking, but some teams that shouldn't be in the regions they're in. Like, I think UCLA wasn't even in the West region. They're probably the most Western team in all of the country. And Ohio State was in the South, which, again, doesn't make any sense geographically, but it all calls down to where the number one seeds are, and then you figure it out from there. So I think you just maybe like the selection process of how the seeds were. And I know this year was probably tough because of COVID and each team wasn't playing the amount of games they want to play and the amount of their, the type of opponents they wanted to play. So that's why you see, maybe that, that was probably the primary reason of why you saw so many upsets this season, because the teams that were upsetting the higher seed teams should not have been ranked so low to begin with. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point, man. Um, that's another point that, you know, should be looked at. I think the committee needs to do a better job. Um, but the NCAA committee is going to do what the NCAA committee thinks is best for business. Let's call it, let's call a spade a spade. Um, one more thing they got to change for next year. Don't put Syracuse on the bubble as a double digit seed because every time that happens, they go on a run. Just pencil them in as a nine seed. It'll be fine. Oh, you take the words out of my mouth. Um, Jay and Liam, absolute pleasure having you boys on again. Um, you know, we're going to obviously wrap it up uh, after the Baylor-Gonzaga game. Uh, Liam, man, always a pleasure, bro. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Jay, man, again, always a pleasure. Uh, any final words from you, gentlemen? Final words, I'm uh, disappointed to see an Illinois go out in the second round. I was a big fan of them. Um, but look for them to have a redemption arc next year in the tournament. 100%. Max Aces for 2021-2022 Rookie of the Year. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for joining us and thank you guys for listening.